You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our affiliate partnership with Fairhaven Health. Fairhaven Health provides science-based products for your journey to parenthood from fertility through pregnancy, breastfeeding, and beyond. They've been an industry leader in providing products for trying to conceive couples, including fertility supplements for women and men, ovulation predictor tools, fertility-friendly lubricants, and so much more. I've personally used Fairhaven Health products since late 2017 and all throughout my pregnancy and postpartum period with my double rainbow. They were a must-have. My love for this company is why I proudly partner with them whenever I get the chance. To learn more about Fairhaven Health and to support our show, visit themiscarriagedoula.co slash fairhavenhealth, and you'll also find a promo code for 15% off there. Now back to the show. Just um, any version of your story that you want to tell, as far back as you want to go, or I don't know, I'll let you start that. Okay. So um, my husband and I got married in May of 2019, and we were pretty adamant that we wanted to start having babies as soon as possible. Um, My job's kind of different, so I leave during the summer, and then I come back. Um, So I live in North Carolina. I go to New Jersey. I come back after three months and live the rest of my life here. Um, So we didn't get pregnant right away. But in November of 2019, um, I got a proud set of pregnancy tests, which was both terrifying and exciting. Um, Went to the doctor. They confirmed it on like December 9th or something. The 17th, I went in for a dating ultrasound, and I was eight weeks, six days along, and the baby was measuring four days behind, um, which is typical from what the ultrasound tech told me, um, because you don't necessarily ovulate on a certain day, but that was my first feeling that something was wrong. I knew when I ovulated, we were trying to get pregnant. I knew that there was no way I was four days behind, but I believed the doctor and went on, went forward. We celebrated Christmas. We told all of our families, everything was great. We were so excited. I went for my first appointment with my midwife um, on December 30th. And she's like, let's just take a look at the baby, see how they're doing. Um, And I was 10 weeks and six days along. And I knew from the look on her face that something was not right. And she said, oh, well, this is a old machine and it's a portable machine. Let me go get the ultrasound lady and we'll get you on the big machine. Hers is more, you know, up to date, more technical. We might be able to, the baby might just be in a weird position. Right. But I knew, like, I, I knew. Um. So they did that. She said, you know, there's no heartbeat and, you know, you have to decide what you want to do now. Uh, So I was given three options of just letting my 
body do its thing. Um, I could take the side attack, which would induce me into labor and have a miscarriage, or I could have a DNC. Um, I didn't want to go the surgery route unless I really needed to. Um, I really didn't want to take the pills because I had this faith in me. I was raised Catholic and abortions are sin and all of that. And that's a whole different topic, but (laughs) (laughs) a whole different topic. You do what you got to do for yourself. I could never do that, but I had this fear that what if my baby was alive and I took this medicine and that killed them. And so I decided to let my body do its thing. It's, I went back on the 8th of January and I asked her to just do another ultrasound and confirm that there was indeed no heartbeat. And then I was going to take the Cytotec because my body was doing, I was having cramping and a little bit of bleeding, but nothing big was happening. Right. She confirmed it. Um, and then on the 11th, I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning with the worst cramps of my life and contractions. And I was just sitting in a tub of hot water screaming. And my husband was looking at me like I was having an exorcism done. Um, and then I had something happen that I wasn't prepared for was my water broke. So even at that early of a stage, there was amniotic fluid in there and I had my water break and that what I was not prepared for. Yeah. Um, I took the foresight attack and my doctor pretty much told me it takes about four hours and then it's done. You know, you'll know when it's done, the bleeding will be really bad and then it'll kind of just level off and you'll be okay. Like, well, as okay as you can be. And that was my experience. I had four horrific hours of just crying and bleeding and contracting and cramping and realizing like our baby was in that somewhere. Yeah. Um, After about four hours, I felt good. I came in late on the couch and got the worst cramps I had had yet and was just screaming in pain. It felt like my insides were being ripped out of me. And I really had thought this isn't going to be good. Like I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I had actually already started following you on Instagram and I had seen what had happened when you had took the Cytotec and I had this like, Oh my God, is this going to happen to me? Like, what do I do? Uh, we stuck through it and I ended up being fine. It was just the last bits coming out, yeah. which was bad. Um, and then it was done. I went in for a recheck. They checked my HCG levels for a couple of weeks and once they returned to normal she just said it was that was it it was a, hopefully a one-time thing you don't need to be looked after we don't need to do any kind of fertility stuff we're just going to see what happens and that was the end of it and how long after your miscarriage did you guys start trying again i was adamant like 
psychotically adamant that I needed to be pregnant again. Yeah. I a lot of women are. That's very common. Yeah. I had finally gotten pregnant and I was just, I had that desire I needed to be pregnant again and not to replace that baby because it'll never be replaced, but just I had had it and I'd lost it and I needed it back. So I was hoping I'd get pregnant before I even got a period again. That unfortunately did not happen. We had three cycles um, of like peeing on ovulation sticks and taking my temperatures and changing my diet and working out more and causing my poor husband the most stress of his entire life because I was like, look, at 7 p.m., 7.02 p.m., we have got to have sex because this is when I'm ovulating and you need to perform. And he was so stressed out. I felt really bad for him. Now I feel bad for him. At the time, I did not. <laughs> um, you still shouldn't feel bad for him because you carried his child and birthed his child. So <laughs> I did. And she is, looks like he, she fell out of his butt. That's so annoying. Whenever they look so annoying. (laughs) That's what I deal with too. Everybody tells me. Yeah. Everybody tells me how Cameron looks just like uh, my husband. And I'm like, great. Thank you. I appreciate the A plus effort. (laughs) Yeah. My mom comes over and she's like, how's little Nate doing? And I was like, thank you. It only took 10 months and 38 hours of labor to have this little Nate, but don't worry. (laughs) But <laughs> well, and just to go back to your point about um you know our faith and how that plays into the decisions and I do want to say that I'm not a religious person and I had all those same feelings of the stigma that's put on the medication yeah also the thought of what if my baby is still alive and they're wrong so I don't want you to think that that's right. just like you know a faith complex at all because no matter what you're a mom and in that moment you don't want to make a decision unless you know for sure. Right. And it's just, it's such a horrible place to be in to right. get in three options and they all suck. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did. And it was, this not something that you're prepared for. You learn in school that, you know, you have sex, you're going to get pregnant and then you're going to have a baby. And like, I'm 28 years old and the amount of things it takes to actually get pregnant is not just having sex and getting pregnant. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> You're so right. Oh. And it's, it's crazy. Cause I, I had to educate myself at 29 years old. So, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. How do you feel, um, you know, being on the motherhood side of my miscarriage journey, how do you feel that miscarriage has prepared you for motherhood in some ways? It prepared me in the sense that, like, I have a daughter now, and all the things that my mom didn't know what 28 years ago when she got pregnant with me, like, I can now teach her, and I can tell her, you know, it's it's not that easy to get pregnant. It's completely normal to have a miscarriage, as much as it pains you and it hurts you, like. It's so normal and there are more people out there that have had miscarriages than you will ever even realize. Yeah. And that that's okay. You're not broken because you had a miscarriage as much as you feel broken. You're not. 
Yeah, that's really good advice. Mm. But did you, after your loss, did you do anything to remember the baby or um, like, do you have anything that you always recommend to friends who have had miscarriages to kind of keep their baby around in some aspect? We, um, so we own our house and we said like, we want to get like some kind of like a tree or something. My husband and I love blueberries. So we talked about like getting a blueberry bush and putting it in our garden to remember our baby. However, we may be moving. So we don't know if we want to do something so permanent. Um, but I do keep the ultrasound picture that I have from little baby bean, as we called them on our fridge. And then I have the progression of our current little babe, her ultrasounds up next to it. So every time we go to the fridge, like I can look at bean and I can talk to him and I hold the baby and I take her over there and I talk to her about baby bean and how if we hadn't lost that baby we wouldn't have her yeah by any means there'd be no way that we would have her and that's such and, a weird feeling in and of itself yes. like it's the most confusing part of grief at least for me personally because I'm yeah so sad over what I've lost but I'm so happy with what I have and I don't really right I can't really compute that in my brain sometimes no it's it's hard mm-hmm. mm wondering who they would have been and what they would have looked like and maybe that baby would have looked like me and maybe I wouldn't have my husband's twin instead yeah (laughs) I've thought about that too (laughs) (laughs) well for anybody that's going through miscarriage right now do you have any advice um that you would like to share with them I would say to just try as hard as you can to keep your head up and also to feel all of your feelings. I really made sure I felt all of the feelings that I had. So if I felt like crying, I cried. If I felt like talking about it, I talked about it. And whether that was with my husband or with my mom, we, I've actually, no one in my life besides our immediate family knows that I had a miscarriage, like, and my best friend. So this is like to the world. Hi, like I had a miscarriage. Nobody knows. And I think it was really important to just feel everything that I could feel and that it was okay to feel that it was okay to feel like broken for a time and but also making sure that I picked myself up and knew that I wasn't broken, but I could feel a little broken if I wanted to. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice because I think that, you know, there's a lot of kind of toxic positivity where we're like, pick yourself up and just try again and smile and trick your brain into thinking that you're happy and it's okay to not be happy whenever something really terrible happens to you. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Savannah, for sharing your story. I appreciate it so much. And I know that so many people are going to be able to take away from it. Um, 